Hello and good day, beautiful podcast family. I hope that wherever you are on this planet, you're doing tremendous, and I am sending you all of my love, well wishes, good vibes, prayers, blessings your way to you and your family. We have an absolutely exceptional episode of the podcast for you today. We have Saul Luckman on, and we are talking about his new book, Callie the Destroyer, Understanding and Overcoming Evil Forces. This is a very powerful episode. We go uh, deep into a lot of topics here. He has a very... um, well-versed and deep understanding of everything esoteric and, um, you know, ancient and a very uh, interesting view on a lot of the things that are going on. So we talk about the work of John Lash. We talk about why he wrote the book, The Cali the Destroyer, which has won a whole bunch of awards. We talk about Archons and the Goddess Sophia, uh, the Archontic reality, the work of Dr. Bear Lando and Kelly Broken, why the Earth is a sentient being, the shadow self, regenetics, how to activate your DNA through sound and so much more. This is a fascinating episode. I know you're going to enjoy it. So please share it as far and as wide as you can through direct message, emails, uh, Facebook Messenger, all on social because the censorship has gone crazy bonkers, got deleted from YouTube. Now they're censoring the RSS feed where we went from 30,000 downloads in one week to literally under a thousand. So this is uh, censorship to the highest degree. Your support is welcomed and very much encouraged to help get the word out there of these amazing people sharing the truth. So you can share clips and do whatever you can to get the word out. It will be amazing. Um, I highly recommend going to mattbelair.com, becoming a member. You can contribute contribute if you wish there's small donation amounts and you can also get it for free if you just email me matt at zenathlete.com i will happily give that to you for free and the best way to support the show as always is to do three kind acts wherever you are in the world today and for those of you guys who want to go a little bit deeper you want to explore living your life purpose you want to explore peak performance overcoming your fears um, developing a very strong mindset how to deal with adversity um, check out the soul compass course check out the quantum heart hypnosis and also check out the atomic alchemy coaching group you can do one-on-one or you can work with me and really this is for people who are committed to making a difference on the planet you want to know who you are what your life purpose is who you came here to be develop a strong connection with spirit to have uh, unstoppable unshakable faith and to be in a supportive community doing what is right what is good what is honorable and not selling your soul in any way so if you're looking for that type of opportunity hit me up mattbelair.com forward slash coaching would love to learn from you know where you are and help you move forward in the most authentic and powerful way possible so uh there's that and so that's it um let's come into a state of peace and coherence before we dive in wherever you are in the world just stop what you're doing take in a deep breath in through your nose hold that breath and let it out slowly filling every cell every muscle and every fiber of your being with peace joy contentment enthusiasm courage and ready to enjoy this incredible episode with saul luckman Hello and welcome to the Mastermind Body and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. As you know, we are currently overcoming extreme censorship. If you want to support this show, please go over to mattbelair.com. Uh, become a member. If you are currently a patron, go over there as well because Patreon is in the act now, threatening to delete the account. So if you want to support the show, become a member over at mattbelair.com. And most importantly, consider doing three kind acts wherever you are in the world today. 
Today's guest is a longtime researcher of shamanism and spirituality. He is an iconoclastic psychonaut devoted to exploring and exposing the truth about human history and potential. He is the author of the award-winning book, Snooze, A Story of Awakening, and the new book, Callie the Destroyer, a sci-fi tale set in an Orwellian future that radically rewrites Gnosticism as well as the origins of the earth and humanity. Welcome to the show, Saul Luckman. Hey, thanks for having me, Matt. It's an honor to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited to dive in. You know, I, I looked, I glanced at your work. I really shortened the bio. You've written a lot of great material. You know, the the DNA book looks fascinating to me. We we're we were discussing before um, jumping on here, like uh, what you're talking about uh, toning or the the vowel language to activate DNA. So you're a very fascinating person. There's a lot of places that we could take this. And uh, you know, just for the the listeners who are new to your work. You do so much stuff. So why don't you just uh, give us a brief overview of whatever you'd like to share about, you know, how you got to where you are today and what was the reason behind writing this new book of yours? Yeah, well, that's that's a lot to unpack, but uh, I'll, I'll give it my best shot. I have a writing habit, so I should probably just uh, come clean there and just admit that, you know, I go to I go to, you know, writing anonymous meetings and that kind of thing. So that, that's why I've written so much over the years. It's just a, a bad habit I got into. In all seriousness, I, I always wanted to be a writer, but I didn't think I would ever write nonfiction. I w wanted to be a novelist and, and write in creative modes. But I got sick when I was in graduate school studying literature. I was I was working on a, a PhD in, in literature. I got shot up before traveling to Brazil to do research and ended up with a, a really serious, uh, weird autoimmune illness that lasted for the better part of a decade. And I, I tried everything that I knew of and then some to, uh, to get over it. And I couldn't figure out how to do it, but I did get on the topic of energy. I got on the topic of DNA. I got on the topic of sound and language and particularly vowels and their ability to interface with DNA. Long story short, I ended up traveling back to Brazil. I had been there before and I was guided back when I was very, very ill. I said goodbye to my family, thought maybe that was actually goodbye. Traveled down there with my partner, Lee, who was integral in developing all of this work. And while we were down there, we had a series of mystical experiences culminating in something like a contactee experience. I never used that term, but uh, in the end of 2019, I was on... Uh, I was being interviewed on the higher side chats and he used, Greg used the term uh, contactee. You were a contactee, dude. And I'm like, uh, maybe I was. I always thought about it as uh, more of a spiritual experience. But <clears throat> in, in any case, uh, Lee and I uh, were given these healing codes in, uh, that were vowels that we were supposed to sing in a certain way. And we did that. And as soon as I did that, uh, we, we did a session for ourselves. It took like uh, 30 minutes to do. I immediately began healing. And I, I began losing my terrible food and environmental sensitivities, chronic fatigue types of symptoms, et cetera, et cetera. Everything just kind of fell away over the weeks and months following the session. And we began sharing this work with other people at a distance because we were told we could do it remotely and we started doing it and we were getting all these testimonials back from people because we were still in brazil and it was it was just so incredible so you can you can go now if you want to check out that that work anyone out there to, you can go to phoenixregenetics.org 
phoenixregenetics.org. It's called the Regenetics Method. You can read testimonials and you can read more about my experience with that. And the first book on the Regenetics Method that I wrote, Conscious Healing, which was the first book I published, is free on the website somewhere. <laughs> I think it's the Conscious Healing page, but I don't know exactly the URL. But you can go there and read the whole thing online. And then I wrote a follow-up to that, which is a do-it-yourself book on how to do the first activation in the Regenetics Method. It's called Potentiation. You can do it for yourself and your family, your friends, your pets, your businesses, etc. And the idea is to bring out their their healing and tran and transformational potential. The what what lies within all of these things. And for humans, that that ends up being in our in or related to our DNA. So I was doing all of that, and then I I began slowly edging my way back into writing fiction. I, I wrote I wrote uh, Snooze back in 2013, 2014. I kind of got a download with that where it just kind of came through. I woke up and the whole the whole plot was there. And then the same thing happened sort of uh, with Callie the Destroyer back in at the end of 2019. I went to bed one night, thought I was going to have a good night's sleep didn't sleep a wink, spent the entire night feeling like my finger was plugged into an electrical socket. And I was just downloading this entire text. Now, some people have said, Philip K. Dick used to do the same thing. You know, he talked about downloading or receiving these gifts from some goddess and all of this. And he was also a Gnostic writer. And I get all that. It, my, I think mine was a little different from, from what he experienced, from what I can tell. But in any case, I was given this entire plot. And the next day I went on a bike ride with Lee. I told her the entire plot. This was towards the end of 2019. And the strange thing about it is, is that the whole book, which is a futuristic dystopian Orwellian novel, fortunately with a happy ending, the entire plot revolves around what's going on now. But at the end of 2019, it wasn't going on yet in the West. And I'm talking about the pandemic. I'm talking about the whole thing was given to me in a download. And I started, I, I told my partner about it. And then I began writing it as it unfolded. I was writing a book about it. So I felt that I was, I was, I was sort of chosen to write this book and share this perspective because the book is about what we're experiencing now. It's about what we're up against. It's about possibly how to overcome it and what is going to happen if we don't. Wow. Well, that's, that's incredible. There's so many uh, places I'd love to go with this interview, but I guess I'll stay on track for now. Uh, it's not always my strong suit when I interview, but. <laughs> Why don't we start with that? Like, uh, you know, what are we facing? Um, what did you say? What are we facing and how do we overcome it? That, that I would love that. I think you added a third element, but I'd love to know all three of those because one of the things that's been coming up recently in doing a lot of law interviews, I'm recording for a law summit right now. I'm trying to educate myself to understand what's going on. It's very spiritual uh, pursuit, but also it's recognizing that there is a system out there that is trying to harvest from you. That is a, it's ba basically an evil system. And, uh, you know, I was aware of this stuff when I was looking at war and starvation. I was like, why, why did 9 million people die of starvation every year? This doesn't make any sense. Rice is not expensive. But then when you realize that you keep those, um, you know, countries in Africa poor, you can just take their resources. Um, well then, oh, that makes sense, right? There's profit involved. So they engineer it. And so this is being clearly engineered. It took me a couple of weeks to figure that out um, because of the previous research. But one of the big things is 
you know, people don't want to face the, they have a huge cognitive dissonance about what the evil is or what that predator is because most good people, they can't think like that. So they don't think it exists. And that's where the problem lies is a good person doesn't think about how they can screw over everybody else. So they can't imagine that people would design systems like that, but in fact, they do exist. And I feel like part of your work is addressing that. It is from a fictional standpoint and also from a, a Gnostic and a ancient textual standpoint. So perhaps I should talk a little bit, a little bit about, in, in order to answer this question and give people context, the work of John Lash. I don't know if you're familiar with John Lamb Lash. I think in 2014 or 2015, no, it was actually earlier because I read it, uh, I read it uh, in 2013. I'm thinking 2013, he wrote a book anyway, around that time period called Not in His Image. And the subtitle is something having to do with sac uh, sacred, eco uh, sacred ecology and the future of belief. And it is a, it is a reinterpretation, a reinvestigation of the ancient Gnostic scriptures that were found uh, in the 20th century that were saved from destruction by being put in jars and caves and that kind of thing in the Middle East. And he, he, he's an amazing scholar in many ways. He's been compared to Joseph Campbell uh, as, a, as a mythologist. And he, he's very scholarly. The work is quite scholarly and is astounding in many ways. And he concludes that the Gnostics were telling a very different story from the kind of Gnostic gospels that we hear about or Gnostic Christianity, which John would say is, doesn't exist. There's no such thing as Gnostic Christianity. Can you define that just for me? Like I read the definition of Gnosticism, but sometimes I feel confused about it. Like what, how do you This is why is because people try to put a spin on it as if it were some sect of Christianity. But the very word Gnostic was used by the early Christian fathers. And it meant something like know-it-all because the Gnostics were telling them that you people are wrong in your beliefs. And the reason they said that is because you're worshiping a false father god that they basically call the Demiurge, who is not the real true god, the originator. And you're also not worshiping that which you should be worshiping, which is the literal Mother Earth, who is a goddess named Sophia, who fell here from galactic center. That is the fallen goddess scenario, that we live on her body that she sustains us, that we have a symbiotic, not a symbiotic, but we have a, an important relationship with her. In some ways, perhaps it is symbiotic because one of the concepts is that the goddess is sleeping and perhaps maybe we're here to help her wake up. In any case, the story that, that John Lash pieces together, which he calls the fallen goddess scenario, is absolutely fascinating. You start out in galactic center in the, what's called the Pleroma. You have uh, two aeons who are these divine beings, not like the originator is the ultimate divine being, but more like angels or something like that. And they are geneticists. They're, they're tasked, there are many aeons and some of them build planets and other things, but these two are tasked with creating biology. And they create this marvelous piece of biology called the Anthropos. And that's us. And she, they're so excited to get this experiment on the way. And she's actually a young Aeon. And she's very precocious. That's her nickname. I mean, it's precocious. And as she's daydreaming at the edge of the Pleroma, kind of looking out into space, she literally 
tumbles out of the pleroma into the kinoma and goes spinning out into space. As she does so, as she panics and she comes into our neck of the woods, she's starting to kind of shut down out of panic. She's clutching our genetic template to her breast and she inadvertently creates a race of beings called archons that are, that are Borg-like in some ways. They have a hive mentality, a hive mind, and they are her first inadvertent children, if you will. And they are also our, brother, our, our older brothers and sisters. They're very, very complicated. In any case, the Lord Archon, the, the chief of the Archons, let me just say there are two types of Archons, and th th this will help give some additional perspective on, on maybe ufology, how that ties in with all of this. The, the normal Archons, the, the uh, proletariat, if you will, among the Archons are basically, they look like gray aliens, aborted fetuses. And the rulers look like Dracos or dragons. And the Lord Archon is the biggest of the dragons and has kind of a lion's face. He's also called Saklos, which means fool in Aramaic. And he's completely blind. He believes he's God. He believes he created all of this, which he did not. And he's completely blind. They're, they're totally conceited, completely evil. They hate the human race and, and their mother for abandoning them in essence and for choosing this other this other species, humanity, to favor in some way in their, in their view. So they are attacking us to get at her in many ways. They are in a sense her shadow side and by extension, our shadow sides that we must come to terms with one way or another. And they, in the Gnostic worldview, according to John Lash, they are, they fit the definition of evil. That is what evil is. That is where it comes from. It is not a normal part of the human experience. So they have created a multi-generational, multi-millennial attack on the human species and the planet through terraforming and all the other things they're doing to destroy uh, the um, our, our, our ecosystems and that kind of thing. They're, they're absolutely bent on two things, depopulation, and control, and they use humans as proxies to carry out their, their agenda, which is, like I said, it's multi-millennial, but the archons live for a very long time. So for them, it's within the span of a lifetime, but for humans, it goes through many generations. Because one of the questions I had early on when I was trying to come to terms with the Illuminati deep state cabal plan is, how is this carried out from generation to generation? I get that there are secret societies. I get that they pass along information. But if you've ever played the telephone game, that doesn't work. It gets distorted eventually, but how can they be so spot on? And the answer, according to this model, is that they are constantly receiving telepathic downloads from the archons that they serve. And the archons are able to do this because they are mental parasites that infect certainly certain particularly vulnerable groups of humans. I feel like I'm in a monologue, so I'm going to pause and see. That's a lot <laughs> no, well, of information just, right there. Yeah, no, that's amazing. Um, it reminds me of the Anki and Enlil story, and um, 
you know, when you go to Egypt, you see these statues. We don't know where the pyramids came from. Maybe in your research, you came across that. Uh, but the technology in the Enki and Enlil story is very fascinating and similar to the one that you're sharing now. And so a lot of researchers the into, the, in, into this paradigm would say that that is a, a somewhat a, an actually rather distorted story emanating from the the archontic reality. The, okay, so where does it, that's what my follow up was going to be. So where does he research and find this information? And in his view, he believes this to be the actual reality that we're in that the archons exist. And and this is this isn't a fictional thing. Um, because what I am aware of from looking at some of the, the darker things in the world of these people who, you know, do the secret societies and run the rituals, they do these rituals, and they believe in these spirits 100%. Right. And so when I had, um, uh, shoot, um, uh, Alex Sakaris on, he wrote a book called Why Evil Matters, How Science and Religion Flubbed a Big One. <laughs> and uh, one of the things he said on the show was, um, you know, if there are people here that are doing these rituals so that entities enter bodies, if they're scaring the crap out of children, um, so it's in, they're trying to um, give them uh, multiple personality disorder, so it's easier for an entity to go in them, we first need to see if that actually is true. And I was like, holy smokes, I was like, that, that is a crazy idea. And I know it exists, but the way that he articulated it was uh, very interesting. So, um, yeah, so where do, where do they find this information and, and they're perceiving this as the actual reality we're in? Okay, that's a really great question. And I, I had the same question. And I will tell you what I can about that. I think it's a work in progress in terms of understanding uh, the reality and all of the permutations of that reality. But the text themselves can be interpreted to mean what exactly what I'm saying. That is this, that is John Lash's reconstruction of the fallen goddess scenario. So at least the Gnostics themselves believed that, and were telling the Christians that the early the early church fathers that what you're what you're doing is completely archontic. This is, has nothing to do with earth based religion and, and and that kind of thing. The second piece of information that helps prove this concept anecdotally is the most censored, persecuted, murdered story on the face of the planet is this story that I'm telling you. So by deduction, we can, we can, we can imagine that this was, was so important to the archontic minions that they, they took it as their number one priority was to wipe out the fallen goddess scenario story, wipe out all the indigenous peoples, all the shamanic peoples, everybody who might be worshiping the goddess. Because the, the third way that it's known is that the Gnostics, as an example, would use something called, uh, was a type of ergot to commune with the goddess. And they would go into spaces where they would they called themselves the standing race and you would have one person sort of acting as a as a guide and a helper to the person experiencing the present the living presence of the goddess and you would have to stand very straight and tall or the energy could hurt you as it came through you as she approached and they would go down and actually meet the spirit of the earth and the spirit of the earth would would teach them and it's thought by some that it was that's how we learned how to eat certain things and not other things. And we were constantly communing with the goddess. It wasn't like we, it was trial and error. I mean, can you imagine the first person who ate, uh, you know, a shrimp or, uh, you know, think about it for just a second. It was, they, they were told it's okay, do that. 
so that's that's it. That's three different pieces of uh, of data. And then if you look at that story uh, and understand the mentality of the archons, they are master simulators. They create fake realities. They they infect people's minds. They distort the narrative. They do do fake news, if you will, sort of from from way back. They, they change history. They make people believe things that aren't true. They use subterfuge, everything in the world to create a false veneer of reality where we're basically all living in a kind of nightmarish Disney world run by these people through their proxies. So that also fits the, the concept of the archons that you get from, from these scriptures and the way they can affect the mind, uh, the mind of humanity. So that's what I've got to offer in terms of proof of all of that which is, you know, I put proof in quotes, but I will say there are some interesting corollaries if that stuff is true. And the corollaries have to do with how much of the stories that we are fed, even about ETs and other pieces of ancient history, how many of them are part of the archontic matrix that is constructed to deceive us? It makes you think if, if this story is true, there probably are not a lot of ETs showing up here. Because if it's true, our solar system is controlled by the archons. And they're not going to just let people come in and, you know, commune with humanity. It's not going to happen on a normal basis. So it calls into question a, an, a, the entire field of ufology in some ways. At least we have to ask if that is real or if it is a delusional uh, outgrowth of the archontic manipulation game wow well that would that would correlate with some of the other things that i have heard um well one of them top of my head would be project bluebeam well Although, that's the most obvious know, that, right yeah yeah the project bluebeam if people don't know they can look that up but it's basically a false flag alien evasion which we could uh, be some seeing people, at any it, time yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Right. Uh, that's probably the next on the list. You know, it's like, okay, cool. Everybody relax. This is this is happening. Right. right so now. just know that um, it's the archons. Yeah. Yeah. And so, well, there's a couple questions I have. Well, the first one would be, where do you? Where's the? Is his book the best compilation of this history? Uh, I was looking it up as you were talking. I saw the Nag Hammadi scriptures. Um, where where is like the origins of this? story that we can and, and did he put the best compilation well, it wasn't together? exactly a compilation it was an interpretation it was a it was a book of scholarship it wasn't right, right. wasn't acting as an editor he was acting as an interpreter an interpreter a literary scholar in some ways trying to figure out what these things meant but Got certainly well, it, you know to, to go back and read his work alongside the the gnostic scriptures the gnostic gnostic text I, scriptures weird word to use with them their texts that would be certainly a starting point is to read all of the source material and then read what john is saying and maybe you could go back and forth and then you make maybe read callie the destroyer because i'm bringing my own my own perspective to it in a fictional way and what i left out was then this is really really important because we've talked about what evil maybe is and where we are headed into the future if we can't get on top of this thing and then there's what to do about it. That, that comes out of uh, the Gnostic texts. There's one called On the Origin of the World, where the Aeon Sophia speaks to the Lord Archon, the Demiurge, before she uh, falls asleep and becomes the planet. And this is what she says, and this is so important. It's the epigraph to my novel. And again, he's, he's blind, right? She says, you are mistaken, blind one. 
there is an immortal child of light who came into this realm before you and who will appear among your duplicate forms in your simulated world. And in the consummation of all your works, their entire deficiency of truth will be revealed and dissolved by this luminous child. Holy smokes, continue. <laughs> so wow. she's basically saying that, that in, the, in, in the Anthropos, the genetic template for humanity was placed this luminous child potential that when it awakens, you will be powerless against it. And so who is that referring to? It's us. I believe it's us. It's all of us. It is the awakening that's going on right now. Oh, wow. And it has to do with shining the light into their falsehoods and revealing them. And people, I know people are inclined to say, well, that's all well and good, but we need the military. We need this. We need that. Well, yes, we need, we, we do need to stand up and physically in strength. Uh, I like the, I like the kind of, uh, uh, you know, nonviolent version of that with uh, Henry David Thoreau and Gandhi and uh, Martin Luther King Jr. But in any case, the Gnostics would say that this, this revelation is the first thing. And the revelation leads to the dissolution of the archontic matrix. So in, in my book, Callie the Destroyer, the, the characters often say to each other, may the luminous child awaken in you. And this is how they keep that flame alive in their culture. Wow, that's amazing. And so I guess we move on to the next thing is, is what do we do? So some people do call this the great awakening, right? Um, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. And so if it is the great awakening, and, and I agree with what you said, as far as the correlation goes, our reality, is basically like a horror Truman show, you know, because none, none of this world made any sense to me, right? I was like, well, how, what is going on here? I was like, all of this stuff is suffering, you know, this doesn't make any sense at all. It's not cooperative. What the heck is going on here? And so if this reality is being architected or manipulated, which it definitely is just even on a basic human form. If you understand psychological operations and the function of television and media, and you look at hypnosis and what they're doing with their, you know, who's controlling that to create these um, stories and messages that are definitely not life affirming. They're not kind. And I've always thought like one of the quickest ways we change this world is we get back control of uh, TV, media, uh, books, uh, television shows, and we educate with those and we share inspiring stories and um, we don't use them to limit and, and uh, make people basically terrified. And so if this is the reality that we're dealing with, what is the solution? What do you, what do you see us uh, doing through this? And then also, I guess, as a second one, how do we handle the fear that a lot of people are dealing with at the, uh, in these times? Yeah, gosh, you have such great, great questions. I would say in a somewhat tongue-in-cheek way that what you do about this situation, what you do about evil is you get somebody like Matt Belair to do this great podcast and you get the Saul Luckman guy to write this book about, you know, exposing the archontic agenda and you get somebody like Dr. Bear Lando to get out there and talk about germ theory and, and you get more and more of these people. You get Dr. Kelly Brogan that you've had on your show, you know, an amazing person to talk about mental health and the lies of 
the the medical community relative to mental health and how we can actually be healthier mentally, especially now. You know, there's a great article on my blog at snoozetoawaken.com by jo- Joseph Mercola, another doctor. And in the, I think the title of the article is The World is Suffering from Mass Delusional Psychosis. You know, so, you know, we're, we're deep in it in that way. But at the same time, the awakening that's going on is bringing so many people out of the woodwork sharing their talents, their knowledge, discovering talents and knowledge they didn't even know they, they had access to. It's really, it's really overwhelming at this time to see what's happening and to see how many people are standing up. You know, this last weekend, there was this just monumental rally or demonstration in, in the UK. I mean, it's, it's happening. You know, there's so much that's going on. I've, I'm following lots of different trends, news, undercurrents in terms of the resistance movement right now and we are in the worldwide resistance in many ways but i would also say that there's also got to be a certain degree of worldwide acceptance we have to not just resist but also accept we have to accept that we were in some ways complicit in creating this reality because we 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 really fell asleep in many ways we allowed ourselves to be lulled into a false sense of reality and security and we didn't stand up for for uh people, our families, our children, ourselves in many ways. I'm not saying that that there aren't very evil forces that have sought to hoodwink us and all of that kind of thing. But by the same token, we it's a two-way street. You know, it's it, it takes two to dance. And so we've been dancing the wrong dance for a very long time. So we have to also do a lot to accept what is, to accept who we are, who we aren't, and what, who we need to be, really. And there's, so there's a lot of self-revelation that has to happen, a lot of looking in the mirror. And then there are other things we could, we could talk about. There are spiritual, there are spiritual disciplines. I, I believe anyone out there studying, you know, different forms of Hindu mysticism and working on activating their cities and uh, that kind of thing, which was the subject of my last novel, Snooze, A Story of Awakening, or doing funky DNA activation, like what I'm doing, where, you know, there's an article on my blog, uh, again, snooze, the number two, awaken.com, and it's called Immunize Yourself Against Vaccine Injury with the Regenetics Method, and it tells my whole story, and the theory being that you can undo or prevent a lot of this kind of crazy damage that's going on with, um, with these shots and jabs. Uh, not, that, not that I'm condoning getting them by any means. I'm not at all, period. But there, we are not absolutely uh, weak or helpless in the face of these kinds of things. There's very powerful medicine uh, from in a, in a shamanic sense all over the world. And the more we access that, the stronger we get to resist, to overcome, to dispel the deceptions, the, the archontic matrix, all of it. Again, re- their, their entire deficiency of truth will be revealed and dissolved by this luminous child. So I see that as a, two, a twofold program. There is an intellectual program, that's the, the revealing, and then there's the dissolution program, that is the activistic, the activism aspect of this. And you see the, the luminous child as, as the collective uh, of like a group of people, not just one, because what I'm thinking about here um, is, you know, again, doing the law stuff, a lot of it goes back to the Bible. And I think that's fascinating because that would presume that there's a creator, that there is Satan, and then there is a God. And then in the Bible, it says, you know, you will do, um, 
what I've done and greater. And so I think about like, you know, activating our highest potential. Well, maybe we are, we are dolphins and we're about to get our sonar. So maybe we do uh, grow in that kind of way. Uh, Crow triple seven, that, that was his theory. So I think we're going to evolve in this new um, era into something new. I like that idea. It's very fascinating. Um, but also the idea of just living up to our potential because we don't know what that is. We're being poisoned and we're being uh, hoodwinked and tricked from birth. So we don't even know what we're capable of. It could be just as simple as an elephant, right? When they tie them down, when it's a baby elephant, right? And, and they can't break these chains, but over time the elephant grows and they just, you know, put this little tiny stick in there and a string, but they're conditioned to think that they can't pull this out of the ground. And so maybe we're just not even accessing our full potential. And so I'm curious, uh, you know, in I think that's exactly to- right, by the way, that's exactly exactly what's going on that was a perfect analogy for for our condition at the moment yeah i love that and so do you see like the uh the god force or or jesus or any of that kind of uh, storyline playing into this in some sort of manner or uh like how do you see that story as in relation to the one that uh you've learned with the the gnosticism yeah, and I'm very familiar with with all of those ways, and even in my book Conscious Healing, I, I talk a lot about the light body and the and the the Christ energy related to that. But I have to say that as I've as I've studied uh, the Gnostic line of thinking more, and as I've spent a lot of time writing in this vein, I, I tend to think that the 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 real truth here, the primary truth, is that the Earth is a sentient being. And that we we are the anthropos. So again, if you want to just look at the epigraph to this, that the there is an immortal child of light who came into this realm before you. So so basically, there was something placed there. Um, some some energy that they had they had already maybe maybe hung out somewhere in the in in the kenoma in space that the that was picked up by the by the anthropos template or something like that and it was this ability of of the it gave the anthropos the human species the ability to to mutate to to develop in a certain way um also came into this realm i think could mean also that came into to being before you came into, like we developed the Anthropos long before this event happened. And and when we did that, we put, and this is what happens in my book, we put the potential for this luminous child to be birthed straight out of the human species, right there, it's just sitting in there. And, you know, it's like the elephant thinking it can't, it can't, it's not strong enough, but if it were just to allow itself to be an elephant, it would be unstoppable. And we're the same way. It's also like what happens in V for Vendetta when the, they leave the prison door open. You know, it's just sitting there. It's unlocked. You can walk out. You can walk right out of the matrix if you want to. So I really think that there are many teachings in, in these types of analogies and films about the human condition. And I would say this, too, that you could look at this in a prosaic way, that the, the luminous child is a highly creative uh, what's the word here, cooperative, energetic, enthusiastic humanity of just people just like we are right now, or something beyond that, where we are actually t- tapping into hidden paranormal abilities and that kind of thing. Either way, 
if you look at the text from from Gnosticism, it appears to be enough. Whatever, whichever one it is, when the luminous child shows up, it is enough to defeat what we think of as evil. Now, in relation to Jesus, the Gnostics would say that's that's a false paradigm. The Gnostics would say that the God of the Old Testament is the Lord Archon, the Demiurge, at least the God of the God of the Old Testament. The New Testament, you know, there seems to be a shift in in who, who that is. But in the Old Testament, you have a lot of uh, a lot of stuff going on, a lot of fire and brimstone and things uh, that don't appear to be done by a loving God. Right. Interesting. Well, you know, when I was training with the uh, Native American elders, uh, one of the things uh, that was described to me, they would they would use the Bible as a reference. And it said, you know, heaven is, uh, uh, you know, made of gold and bars or whatever. And uh, he goes, it sounds like a prison to me. And then he also said, gold's the only thing that can trap spiritual energy. And I was like, what? There you go. And, uh, you know, then that goes into this, I don't know, story, like all these, all these stories are just so wild. It's hard to know, you know, what is going on and what to take, take from them. But you got the story of the moon. Uh, I can't remember. I don't know where this comes from, but the moon is like basically, you know, trapping, tricking our souls to reincarnate because we think it's the sun, but it's the false light. I've heard that. Yeah. I've heard the false light story. Yeah. The false light story. Right. So I'm like, holy smokes, like what a challenging thing. And so when we, when we look in these stories, right, and we know that history is is written by the winners, we know that we're there are groups of people and entities that want to deceive us. How do you recommend we find the truth in in times of great deceit and, and connect to like the one creator, right? Because like I've even heard from some people like, well, Lucifer was trying to de- defeat God because God was like the Walmart, you know, that's how it was described to me. Or I understand the analogy anyway, like this big corporation and, and Lucifer just wanted to be a small box store. It's a, it's a ridiculous analogy for what I'm basically <laughs> saying. I'll, I'll Basically what was going on is like, um, this one God was conquering all these different things, right? And we had to submit to that, but the but Lucifer wanted independence. And so I was like, what a crazy story. Like, I've never heard that before, you know? Um, but so like, I hear all these different stories and it's hard to say, okay, I believe that one. And so what I do is I just kind of listen to the stories, right? And I see which ones have the most amount of evidence. Uh, but ultimately I have to go back to myself and my connection with the creator, with spirit, with um, living uh, as a good person and looking at how I conduct my life. You know, maybe there's all these different stories that are really fascinating and one of them is going to end up being true. But what I do know as I know my intent and I know I can actually put out something positive in the world and ideally clarity over time is going to come with these stories. And so how do you recommend people, um, you know, navigate the truth when we, when we are being so deliberately deceived? Well, I liked where you went with it, looking inside, first of all, and using your intuition and your own, your own response to stories and narratives and the, you know, using your feeling sense. I mean, we, that ultimately, that's, that's really important. And that, ta- that taps into this notion of the divine feminine, the sacred feminine, which is what this book is all about. It's all about that, that energy and uh, in, in the macro and, and in the micro, how, how we can actually incorporate uh, teachings uh, of the divine feminine into our lives. And it doesn't matter whether you identify as a male or a female, none of, that's, none of that matters. We're talking about archetypal energies here. But if you want to go down the, the Gnostic road, 
and look at it from that perspective. And again, uh, you know, I would not exactly call myself a Gnostic. I'm just answering questions from that perspective. And I identify with many elements of it, though not all. But the Gnostics would say, stop trying to uh, connect with God or the originator uh, when you, you need to first connect with the planet and your mother. And then you will have a much more fulfilling and real relationship with your true father, if you will. Although there's another father because there's another Aeon who was involved in our creation. So we do have a mother and a father who are these angelic beings, according to the Gnostics. But, but through them, we would be accessing the, the originator, but also through ourselves, it appears that we are capable of giving birth to this luminous child, which I personally theorize, and this is just my theory, and it's, it forms one of the subtexts in Callie the Destroyer. It is that creation of, it is the creation of the luminous child within us that represents our our ultimate connection to source, to the originator, that when we, when we achieve that biological potential in ourselves, bio-spiritual potential in ourselves, then we will be hooked up with the originator in ways that we've never experienced. Well, that's fascinating. And so when you're talking about the originator, um, how does that differ from, let's say, God of the Bible or, or something like that? I mean, that's another good question. Again, the Gnostics would say that the God in the Bible is actually an archon. I mean, just, just to not mince my words here. And that the originator is the true creator of the galaxy. So the originator lives, if you will, in all things, but has a, a, a specific location in galactic center out of which everything was born. So that it is the mind of, of the galactic center that propagates out into space holographically. And ultimately, uh, there probably is some kind of breathe. And this is just me from my own research in other areas. There's probably an in-breath, out-breath where that we go through many cycles of these galaxies as the originator breathes in essence and we we have different cycles of existence and so we're in one right now obviously that uh, is fraught with a lot of challenges but it also appears to be an amazing experiment where where we have the potential to do something that's never been done and that is i think to be fully encountered by our shadow selves and to integrate that in a way that allows us to transcend into a completely different type of humanity Note in these texts, it does not say you're going to kill the archons. It says that their deficiency of truth, their works will be dissolved by this luminous child. And my theory is that something is set to happen where we don't have to go to war and kill a bunch of people to reclaim our freedom, but that somehow some massive integration occurs where the power that has been held over us literally goes away. Right. Wow. Yeah, that would be amazing. And what about um, life after death? Like, for example, let, let me let me just say one little funny thing. I wrote a book a few years ago called The Angel's Dictionary, and it was a satirical dictionary, sort of in the tradition of Ambrose Bierce and Mark Twain. And I defined shadow side as the self that you see when you don't look in the mirror. So when we start looking in the mirror and we can see that shadow self and identify as having that 
uh, as part of ourselves, that's the first step in being able to integrate it and to go beyond it, to transcend it. And this is just, obviously, this is philosophical. Like, I understand that. But I think there's, there's some food for thought there. Yeah. Wow. Well, there's, there's a lot of, and how does this, I was just curious in this, in this works, you know, we, we think about reincarnation and life after death and being eternal. Uh, how does, how does this um, line of thought line up with that idea? Yeah. And, and again, this is something I go into in, in the book and the, uh, this is something that comes out of uh, well, John Lash t- talks about this in some of his work and the, it's the idea that we are products of the, dreaming mind of the goddess we are part of her dream and so in this book i talk a lot about the dream of the goddess and what that is and so when we die we go back into her consciousness and then we are reborn there is definitely one uh, you can certainly interpret the relationship between the goddess and humanity as one involving reincarnation i'm not saying that that's explicit but you could certainly so you could certainly say that's a possibility given the Gnostic texts. Right. Wow. Amazing. Well, there's so many other things I'd love to ask you. Um, one of them in particular, I don't know if there's, if there's a line that you would like to follow on, but I think I, I'm personally curious about this healing aspect or connecting with the creator because you know, when we go down these storylines, some people say, oh, I, would, I, I used to pray to God, but now it's like, oh, the, you know, that's that's not the right one. It's it's like this archon or something, right? In this story, for example. And, you know, the Native Americans, they would they would talk about a creator. They wouldn't say right. God. They would specifically right. say creator. And so that's very different, right? And so then you get into things like yoga. Um, I've heard, you know, some people saying, oh, that's yoga is actually evil because of something and something. And you're doing these poses and you're, you're bringing in these entities or archons or something like that. I don't exactly know what the story is, but I have heard that. So it's like, oh my goodness. So I don't want to do that. You know, I want, I wanted to do a process that brings more, more goodness or more positive spirits, whatever the case that is more positive energies. And so when you did your research on uh, the, the sounds and things like that, what, processes have you discovered that help you to um, either align yourself or heal your own body or uh, connect with spirit in a deeper way? Because a lot of people are looking for mystical experiences and, you know, breath work can activate a little bit of DMT. And so that can be absolutely very fascinating where you get something out of your body and you're like, whoa, I'm more than just my body. Wow. And if you haven't done that, you should do that because it's a life-changing experience to know that you're not your body. You can do it through meditation. Sometimes that can take a while, um, but breathing works pretty well. And so I feel like just understanding that your body, I like the idea that your body is the intelligence. You know, this thing is so hyper-intelligent connected to everything and you're kind of putting the faith in the body, but also working with your consciousness, your spirit and your intent. Because even when I intend something, it's such a little mental attitude, but I can learn to magnify that, you know, like the mind has to focus on only a few things at a time. And that's why deep focus and deep intent can bring in more energy or more life force. And that's what they teach in martial arts and things like that. Um, So what have you discovered along um, those lines to be effective or useful? Well, many of the things you're talking about, I mean, I've heard stories about various disciplines. I I don't tend to think of yoga being in any way, archontic, uh, that's just me. I, I think that it's a, a way of aligning some Kundalini through your system and that, and that sort of thing. Um, 
I, yeah, I for, the, for the record, me too. I'm just saying I heard I heard that story. I'm sure you've come across it too. Oh right? yeah, like, yeah. I've heard stuff yeah, like right? that. I've so, heard it about so many things. Usually, I just yeah, think that's yeah, some exactly. kind of you know I don't know. It's disinformation. It's archontic. It's fundamentalist. It just doesn't resonate. I just don't don't I don't get it. You know, I did uh, when I was really sick. I was you know really ill from all the experiences I I mentioned with my my travel jabs. I I did uh, qigong for a long time. That helped me get back on my feet. I did allergy elimination work and, you know, a type of sort of almost like homeopathy that helped with some of, of my allergies. I mean, I did uh, transcendental meditation. I did so many things and some helped, some didn't, some helped mentally, but not physically, but nothing ever really got me over the hump until I discovered Regenetics, which was miraculous. It was absolutely miraculous. And if you just read through the testimonials on the website, it's wild what people have are, are continue to report when they experience this work. And it, it's a form of DNA activation using, using vowels that I, I have contended is a form of an ancient spiritual sacred language called the language of the birds in some traditions. It's a vowel-based language. And you can learn more about that in Cali the Destroyer because one of the major sub-themes of the book is the language of the birds. And I, I talk a lot about it. It's almost like a like a... Uh, a, a primer or something like that or primer for for going into uh, regenetics because it, it almost teaches you how to do it not quite but it teaches you the basic concepts for how it's done so we discovered lee and i early on we we were we were given to understand and i write about this in my books that we have a an energetic liability as human beings as we're currently constructed and maybe this has to do with the anthropos being not quite the luminous child we're still limited because we have something that i call the fragmentary body uh eileen mccusick who wrote a great book on biofield tuning she calls it the slave the slavery yoke um, Brendan Murphy, who wrote uh, a great book on um, called The Grand Illusion, a, a synthesis of science and spirituality, he also has a, has a name for it. And it's this idea that in the, in the second chakra, in that area of our anatomy, and in the corresponding uh, auric field, as I write about in, in the Regenetics books, there is basically a giant hole, and it's the fragmentary body, and it's in many ways, it's the separation of spirit and matter. It keeps, in essence, it keeps Kundalini locked down in the lower part of our energetic system, and it keeps it from infusing our higher centers and enlightening us. And accidentally, in many ways, Lee and I discovered a way to seal the fragmentary body, and it happens during the first phase of regenetics. It's called potentiation, and you do this activation, and after about five months of experiencing this process, which you don't have to do anything to experience, you just live your life. But at five months from the date of your session, the fragmentary body seals. And everything starts to shift for many people at that point in time. There is a, a different consciousness, there are different potentials, there are uh, different health outcomes, all kinds of things begin to change at that moment. Also, it is. It has uh, been my experience. It was my experience, and it's been the experience of many people who have experienced regenetics. That when you seal the fragmentary body, you start getting rid of all kinds of parasites, and possibly entities and archons, based on many of the stories I've heard. I believe that the fragmentary body is the is the chink in our armor that allows for entities and 
mind parasites, archons, to actually get into us and manipulate us. And so the more people who seal their fragmentary body, the fewer people who will be susceptible to that kind of mind programming. So there's an extremely practical way of addressing the situation. I wasn't even going to talk about this, but you asked a direct question. So there it is. <laughs> well, and so can you walk us through a little bit of the process? Because I had uh, Jim Donovan on. I'm not sure if you're familiar with his work, uh, but he uh, was a music teacher um, or yeah, music creator, really brilliant. And he got injured and uh, he healed himself through toning, through using the vowels. And that's what he teaches now. And he didn't expect to go down that rabbit hole. Um, but he kind of walked me through in the podcast how he would, you know, go through the different vowels and how it would create a vibration in the body. And he, you know, explained it to me scientifically. He's like, I was able to get the result um, that I wanted, but I couldn't explain it scientifically. And then in the podcast, he kind of shared that, which I forget now. Um, but it makes sense that if everything in the universe is frequency and vibration, and we can tone something um, and create a vibration in our body, then it can create an effect. And so is what you're doing something similar to that? Well, I have heard of him. I don't know. I've never experienced his work. So and I've never read the material. But his name has come up. A few people have asked me, do you know who this person is? So I you know, Googled or whatever. And, and so I, I learned a little bit. In answer to your question, I would say there have to be some differences because it doesn't really matter whether you're in the room or not, because the work can be done at a distance. We've worked with clients in probably a hundred different countries. And we're talking thousands and thousands of people all over the world who get just extraordinary results very often. So it doesn't really have to do with a physical vibration from sound although sound is absolutely important in what's going on. And I explain how this works, at least philosophically, uh, in, in terms of my theories, in Potentiate Your DNA in particular, where I talk about how we have a physical body here in space-time, but there is a parallel space called time-space. I, I should not have used the word space. There's a parallel reality, in essence, called time-space. So space-time and time-space are interrelating. This goes back to the work of Dewey Larson. He was a physicist, wrote a series. Oh, no, he wasn't a physicist. He was an engineer. But he wrote a series of books on a, a, a theory of physics that he called reciprocal system of physical theory. The way I look at it is you have a DNA, uh, uh, your DNA is a molecule here in space-time, and in time-space, it is like a wave, so that your energy body is actually over in time-space. But DNA is how you can communicate with it, and the way you communicate with the DNA is by using sound and thought, so sound and light, so you sing while thinking. <laughs> so you can activate the DNA to go over into the blueprint and change the blueprint to heal it, to heal distortions. And then that, because it's a unified system, that energy will flow back through the DNA and begin to heal the body, mind, spirit here in space-time. Wow, that's incredible. And so if people want to learn more about that, because I, I always love tools and processes, how complicated is it? And then what would I do? Like, can you explain it in a few minutes of how the how-to, how you would apply that? Or is it something that's a little bit more in-depth? Yeah, I mean, in terms of like how it actually works, you're, you're chanting a series of vowels and you're thinking a series of vowels at the same time. And you're doing it at, at a certain frequency, a certain note, using a tuning fork to stay on that note. And it takes it. Wow. So, so the whole session takes somewhere between 20 and 30 minutes, depending on how fast you go with it. You can learn how to do it for yourself and other people. And even, like I said, pets. 
in uh, by using my book, Potentiate Your DNA. And you would need the book and a tuning fork and a hockey puck to ring the, the tuning fork. And I think the whole, the whole kit for that is, I don't know, I'm just going to guess $70, $69, something like that. And then you can do it for as many people as you like. We also have people who train in the work who want to be certified facilitators. And there are other types of activations that follow potentiation that go deeper into the subtle anatomy. So potentiation really works on the physical um, the physical etheric body to use some, some old timing language. And then the next activation works on the mental body. Then it goes to the emotional body and that goes to the spiritual body. So you're getting deeper and deeper into kind of how we're created because we, we come out of spirit. So you're going back in the direction of spirit as you move through the regenetics method. Wow. That sounds fascinating. Well, one of the things that I can draw a correlation to is when I was doing a private training uh, with my one of my Native American teachers. Um, yeah, I can share this. It's not nothing complicated. Um, some of it, you know, they asked for you to not share just because it's like, you know, you don't want amateurs using it, I guess. Um, but what we were doing is we were we were singing tones of vowels. Um, but then as we did that, it was um, holding in our mental image of the thing that we wanted. So a way to manifest. And that was that was what he would was teaching is that you know what you do is you hold that mental image and then you use a certain set of vowels um, and that's going to be a much more effective than just straight up visualization it's a it's a deeper way to communicate with the universe and uh, i remember that was a very fascinating so it kind of is similar to what you're sharing here and so you know when i'm trying to figure out what what works and what's the most effective i i try all these different things and it's interesting when um methods are so very similar and it helps me kind of understand them more so i uh, appreciate you sharing that that sounds very very fascinating and i know there's a lot of work out there with just sound healing and vibration and different things like that so um, anything that brings us closer to natural healing and putting our body into you know, natural states of being, because I do think that our natural way of being is health, is vibrance, is all these different things. But unfortunately, we're kind of bombarded by disharmony and it gets us all out of whack. So we've got to come back to whack or come back into um, harmony and peace and ease and resonance. Um, you know, there's a ton of questions I'd love to ask you, but the final one I'll give you, and, and if there's anything you wish that we had talked about feel free to throw that in there, but I'm curious if you can share your contactee experience um, or whatever that was for you, whatever that um, experience was. Cause I find that, and if you're willing to, some people don't want to really share those, but I feel like those experiences really help open the envelope for people to understand that a reality is not exactly what we think it is, that there are other elements at play and we want to learn how to grow up, have accountability for ourselves, uh, learn how to connect to, spiritual forces or larger forces than ourselves, you know, so we can, I think that helps people get out of their ego. You know what I mean? Like they're the most important thing in the world. It's like, no, the, the earth, let's learn how to connect with the earth and these bigger spirits so that we can bring more people into harmony, into peace, into uh, brotherhood and sisterhood, you know, and, and really get connected with ourselves and spirit. Because when we're afraid, when we are, um, terrified of our own mortality it's hard to get out of that fear mindset and especially now we need to get out of this fear mindset into a very empowered mindset yeah wow you always ask such good questions and so eloquently the uh the experience i had was described as a contactee experience i i tend to think of it as having had a direct 
interface of some kind with with my higher self or with my compassionate teachers you know if you want to look into some some native uh american types of uh teachings the the way it went down was this we lee and i were in brazil i was really sick we were we were being led by spirit we had a series of really wildly you know synchronistic and serendipitous events that led us eventually to this little town in brazil called buzios which is where brigitte bardot used to hang out there's a little statue over uh, on the waterfront down there and one night we were we were just told by by these 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 uh, impulses that we were both getting and it was very very strange to go to this this certain beach and and at that beach it was deserted at, at night it was the off season there was some there was a fishing boat in uh in the middle of the little harbor area pretty far out no, uh, nobody was in it nobody was anywhere around and as we stood there these three lights showed up now, I, I describe all of this in, in Potentiate Your DNA, but they literally kind of came up sort of out of the boat. That's sort of how it struck us, you know, or maybe across the water, maybe both. It was sort of hard to tell. And they, they came toward us and they shined, they shined right on us where we stood on the beach. And it was sort of, you know, almost a, a non-scary version of something out of the X-Files or something, you know, where you're like, you know, boom, you're just hit by this light out in the dark, right? And it's like, whoa, what's going on? And it was, it was very powerful and very fast, and then it was gone. So we went back. We were both kind of stunned, and we went to, went to bed. We went to sleep, and we both had these uh, dream experiences where we were given these vowels. And when we woke up, we compared notes about our dreams. And it became clear that I had been given a set of vowels to be sung and she had been given a set of vowels to be thought and to be paired and to be, to be experienced that way. And that was, that was potentiation. And when we did that, I started to heal. Now there were three lights and it's kind of interesting because that was, that was at the same time that we conceived our child. So that's kind of interesting. And I was supposedly sterile from the damage I had gotten from these jabs. So uh, we've often thought that the third light might've been our son. Wow, that's amazing. Well, I'm, I'm so glad you shared that story. And, and I like at the beginning, I don't know if we were talking privately or you said this in the podcast, but to understand that our bodies can heal anything, even if it is this mRNA sterilization, whatever you do to it, you know, our higher intelligence, whatever that is, can conquer anything. Now, you don't want to uh, deliberately poison yourself and do stupid things, right, right? Right. Because, you know, we don't know if it's going to be 100% effective. But I do like the idea of and believe it's most likely true that the body can basically heal itself of whatever, obviously, you know, get decapitated decapitate or something like that you're not going to walk that off but you know for most things we do have extraordinary 
healing abilities within our body. We don't even know. Well, unless you're, unless you're Saint, Saint-Denis, you know, the, uh, the French saint who apparently his head was chopped off. He picked it up. He walked to the top of the mountain with his head. And that's where they built uh, the Sacré-Cœur in, in, in Paris. I didn't know that story. Holy <laughs> or, maybe. Or that area, yeah. <laughs> it was on top of Montmartre, which is the mountain of the martyr. So, um, so we have some crazy stories about people doing things that do defy defy uh, logic in many ways i always similarly i always tell people like you know after having had this work i still wouldn't swim in a pool of plutonium <laughs> right yeah, but yeah, i yeah. feel pretty invulnerable to many things and i'm in very good health and 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 i exercise a lot and i, I can go and go and go and go i have just incredible stamina and i'm in my mid-50s wow that's amazing and do you, with this process, do you have to do it like all the time, like meditation or working out? Or is it kind of like once you've cracked that code a little bit, it's just kind of with you? I'm anti-meditation. No, I'm just kidding. I, but this is not, this is definitely not about meditation. It's just about experiencing it. And similarly to what you, you uh, said about your, your, your Native American teaching or your shaman teaching, we, we do tell people to get in touch with what you want, right? What are your intentions? And then the way to actualize it from our perspective is to, you know, you can put that into your song or for somebody else if you're healing, but then you, you, you ultimately practice non-attachment. You let it go and you walk away from it and you don't care about it. And this goes back to a lot of interesting science that Dr. Larry Dossie has written about where when they studied the effectiveness of, of prayer in these very hardcore scientific studies, it became very clear that the more attached the prayer was to the outcome of his or her prayer, the less effective that it was. So you can visualize, and I do believe there's a lot to be said for that, and you can use sound to manifest. But then the, for me, the third, the third piece of that puzzle is then you release it and you don't even think about it anymore. Like you yeah. just care. Yeah, I, I agree with that. That's, that's a lot of the stuff that I've uh, read and seen in the real world as well with people really manifesting amazing things as they weren't attached to, to the, the more attached and they grip to it, the, the less it's going to happen. And, you know, I can equate this to a snowboarding analogy where you do a backflip. Um, now, if you are going to go do that backflip and you're so afraid and like you don't want to leave the ground and you start spinning before you're off the lip of the jump, you're screwed. Not gonna, you're screwed. You got to You got to kind of surrender and relax. The bigger yeah. the jump, the more you got to relax. You got to be like, okay, you know, it's like non-attachment. You're like, it, it's a, it's an analogy that works for me anyway with snowboarding, but I get it. I completely gotta get let it. it go. You know what I mean? It's just like, I, and, and also the understanding of being whole and complete and harmonious and content with what you have saying, this would be great. And this is what I used to teach the athletes as well. It's like, you know, you want that basketball shot to go. And if you're LeBron James or something, and he's shooting the, the game winning free throw, um, you know, in game seven or something. Well, when he goes and he's like, I set the intent to have the ball go in, but if his whole live, like, you know, his identity is on the line, which he kind of is because he's a basketball player, but if he's whole content, harmonious, full of self-love and worth, he's going to have less stress going through his body when he lets that shot go, because it's got to leave his fingertips, right? It's like, oh, you know what? I missed it, but I'm still complete, you know, but I did intend, you know, this. And I feel like that's a really uh, beautiful way to manifest. And it's kind of what I teach. You know what I mean? If you could be really content, uh, you're really whole with wherever you are in that process, because we're always going to be expanding, 
right? With every new ability, we're going to be able to expand to something greater with our skill sets and our new abilities and our new um, experiences. So if you always need that next thing, you're going to never be in contentment. And this is one of the things that I, I hope this world moves into is people really getting alignment with their vocation, with who they are, with who they came here to be, with what their purpose is. And it's basically all the training and coaching that I do now is around that um, because it's not so complicated to know what it is, but it's challenging to walk the path and create it in a world that's very challenging where you need money and you have all these distractions and have all these different things and you, and you lose your faith, right? But if you can walk that path for a year or five years or 10 years, you're, you're eventually going to leave a legacy. And that's what I think a lot of people need to kind of consider with their lives is, you know, what are you doing? You know, is it contributing to other people? Is it who you came here to be? right? Because if you were created and you are connected to something much greater, then obviously you have a purpose or a contribution for your fellow mankind. And if you're just working a job you hate just to get money, um, that's probably not what it is. And maybe you're doing that for a little bit of time. But if you put a little bit of time and energy into who you are, eventually that will fall off, you know, and the universe will guide you and show you ways to um, move more fully into this creation, because I think that's what it wants for you at the end of the day. And so does that resonate with how you kind of view all this? Absolutely. I think you just activated about three or four luminous children in the audience just now. Well, hopefully, hopefully together. And so the last thing I want to ask you um, is with that experience with the three lights, how does that fit into the idea of like the uh, ETs potentially being archons? Like, what do you think that that was? Do you have any ideas? Well, you also have this luminous child, right? So, so the luminous child could be a, a hyperdimensional potential that's part of our genetic structure, and it could be almost like your future self coming back to you to guide you along. Wow, that's amazing. Well, I've had that experience as well with lights in the sky. Uh, and one of them was, uh, it looked like a hole in the universe. The first time that it happened when I was by myself in the middle of the forest, I saw the flickering light. And when it got closer, it wasn't emanating light. It was like a hole in the fabric of the universe. And it, it was super intense. And, uh, I, you know, I've had a couple experiences like that, but I'm like, what, what is that light? You know what I mean? It was, it was unnatural it to, to anything I'd ever seen before. And so it just made me very curious and, you know, who knows here, cause you can get into some real weird stuff with time travel and, and even just the basics of understanding that our senses are so limited, right? Our dogs are going to hear stuff that we, we don't hear, right? All these different animals with these extraordinary senses. And uh, one of my uh, um, teachers, a, a Mayan elder, Carlos Barrios, he would tell me that we have yeah. 20 senses, and so I thought that that was always fascinating. So maybe that's what we're evolving to. You know, we're limiting the toxins and all this uh, mental fog and all this attacking on us. And maybe our generation just guides that new generation of kids that we get to the other side of this, where they're able to weather this storm and connect with their higher selves. And then we, we, we bring up this new generation where they're cultivated in their abilities and, and they do things that surprise and shock everybody. Yeah, I mean, to some degree, we've been in that. We've been in that process for a long time. You've got, I see a, a real bifurcation that's happened where you have people who have gone asleep in the last few decades, but you have you've had people wake up and you've had different ways of raising children that re, that are reflective of those two, those two opposite ways of being. So I see a lot of kids waking up for sure. And I, I, I see that extending into the future as well. I mean, I've had that exact experience as a father with one of these very bright lights coming through. 
Beautiful. Well, this is, this has been amazing. I've really enjoyed this, this um, conversation. Is there anything that you wish that I'd ask or that you want to leave the listeners with before we close it up? I'm always afraid of overloading people. I just feel like, you know, I, I come out of, you know, with both barrels blazing and uh, you know, there's just so much that I, that I'm doing and that I'm talking about. And I, I think it tends to be maybe overwhelming to people, maybe not, maybe people love that and they want more, but uh, I don't want to overload anybody. And you ask such great questions. Well, I appreciate that. And yeah, well, I think this audience is always ready for a deep dive and would definitely love your stories. Where can people find more about you if they want to research the new book, the old book, they want to get in contact, where do they go? Well, my website's www.crowrising.com. That's crow like the bird, crowrising.com. And you can, you can get to my blog, to my healing work, to everything off of that one website. There's, there's, um, a free excerpt of Calorie the Destroyer. You can also get a free copy of Snooze by sharing Cali and signing up for my newsletter. So you can read that last novel that I wrote, which won some awards. And it's about lucid dreaming and other very interesting topics. Amazing. Well, I highly uh, encourage the audience to go check out your work because I think for me, it was very fascinating. And I'm curious about this, uh, this process too. So I'm going to be uh, sending you emails, figuring out how I can get involved and, and test that because I always love testing these things. And, uh, you know, from what you shared, having that direct experience of being, you know, really injured, that's what a lot of a lo where a lot of these things come, people just get so bunged up by reality where they're like, Oh my goodness, what do I do? And it has to be something that's alternative. That's not traditional. And it's like, Holy crap, that worked, right? This traditional thing didn't work, but this thing, you know, that was kind of gifted to me worked and it's working for other people. So I'm very curious about that and, and think it's quite extraordinary. So I'll look more into it, but um, just thank you for your work and walking the path and sharing everything you did today. Well, thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. I hope we can do it again sometime. Sounds good to me. All right, All right, guys. Thanks for watching. See you in the next one. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, the absolutely phenomenal Saul Luckman. I hope that you enjoyed that show. And if you did, please share it as far and as wide as you can. Share on Facebook, Instagram, direct message, email list, wherever you can. Censorship is absolutely through the roof. You can find the Matt Belair show in video on Odyssey as well as Rockfin forward slash Matt Belair. So find me there. Go to the website. Sign up for the email list. Uh, join the membership is the best way to stay in, in touch. And also Telegram, t.me forward slash. Matt Belair. Um, that's uncensored. We can get the word out there. It's very important. This is a battle. And, uh, you know, if you want to stay connected, that is the best way. Um, if you can become a member and support, and if you need it for free, just go to map at zenathlete.com. I'll happily help you, help you out. Um, if you're interested in, in learning more about peak performance, knowing who you are and living your life purpose and developing a strong connection with spirit, learning how to overcome fear and adversity, check out the Soul Compass course or apply for coaching at mattbelair.com forward slash coaching. All of the coaching and programs is really around that, connecting your uh, yourself to spirit to a higher understanding and committing to making this planet a better place. And so if you're looking for community who is doing that, we'd love to hear from you and uh, work with you and help you and support you with whatever your gift is to community. And so that's it. Let's come into a state of post. Uh, also three kind acts wherever you are in the world today. It's never been so important. Um, but yeah, and, and let's come into a state of peace and coherence before we close this out. So wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing. Take in a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath, 
and let it out slowly, filling every cell, every muscle, and every fiber of your being with peace, joy, contentment, enthusiasm, inspiration, and ready to enjoy the rest of your day. So thank you so much for listening. Sending you all of my love, well wishes, good vibes, prayers your way to you and your family, and have a beautiful day. Bye.